Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. It says in verse 1 of chapter 6 that Solomon began to build the house of the Lord. And that is the topic. That is the dream. That's the vision. That's the calling. That's the purpose to build the house of the Lord. That is his project. The wood that came down from Tyre, the, the stone being quarried in the previous chapter, all the thousands of workers, it's all moving toward one thing. It's a project. It's profound. It's going to take years. But it is one sentence. To build the house of the Lord, to graduate college, to finish this, to like it's one sentence. It is one sentence, this task. And of course, we all know the more simplified your goals are, the easier they are to follow, and the more uh, intentional and deliberately focused they are towards specific things, you don't get off track, right? Like you, the more you're honed in on just the one thing of a supreme goal, do you just come back from that, how you break it down into mid-range goals and smaller goals and how you move toward that? But this is the one thing, to build the house of the Lord. So let's think about this. We've got a little bit of future in front of our life, and the Lord is saying to us tonight, hey, you in WG, hey, you listening to Joey on podcast or whatever, I want you to build the house of the Lord. I have a project for you that has a stop-start place. It's measurable of what you're doing, and it's for the kingdom. So put that in your mind right now, whatever it might be. Because we just want to get into eternity and just have done nothing except listen to me or old tapes of other teachers or K-Wave and just in and not have it go out. So really, this is an application study coming from Solomon, who was a man of action. Build the house of the Lord. So it says he began. And that's what I want to talk about first is beginning. There's always a beginning. So we have a dream. We have a goal. We have the objective. We're going to build the house of the Lord, whatever it is that God might have for us. And, you know, I was thinking about church history and things people have done. Because I mentioned, like, oh, maybe you get a degree. You, you write a book. You do a TV series. You got to produce eight shows like Luke Caldwell did with his show, Boise Boys. It's a lot of production. It's a lot of stuff. Things like that. But in the kingdom of God, I thought of two people that are amazing that, that had stop-start projects. First one is Strong's Concordance. Strong's Concordance is about this thick. And it's every word in the King James Bible in English from A to Z. Adam, whatever. And it goes from there. Every word. Mr. Strong, before we had computers and all this stuff about 150 years ago, had a vision that for people like me and Charles Spurgeon getting our Bible studies ready, back in his day, Spurgeon, that it'd be help if you could just reference a word to find the verse instead of sticking through your Bible trying to figure it out. Now, I don't use my Strong's Concordance anymore, but it's, it made the cut of books. I gave away almost all my books a few months ago. I'm getting ready for eternity. You know, you travel light. I just don't, I'm tired of moving books, okay? I've read them all, and they're here, and they're here, and if they're not, they don't matter. But I kept Strong's because a man in Jesus' name about 150 years ago took the time 
to write down every word in our Bible, your King James Bible, Old and New Testament, every word in the English language, and put them in order, and he did it, and it was his life calling. And I have it. So some computer or artificial intelligence didn't do this. A man did this for the body of Christ about 150 years ago, Strong's Concordance. Like, it's a lifetime's work. And how did it happen? Well, you start with A in the book of Genesis. That's how it happens. You have a vision that you're going to do this for the benefit of the global body of Christ, which he did do during the Great Missionary Awakening in the 1800s. And you had to start somewhere, didn't you? Can you imagine the massive task that you're going to categorize every single word in the entire Bible in English from A to Z? Every single word. And you're going to put them chronologically in order so that Pastor Joey in the year 2022, if he wants to, and doesn't want to use his smartphone, can open up looking for that reference, you know, um, all fall short of the glory of God, or all have sinned, Romans 3.23. Well, in case I forgot where that was, I open up my strongest concordance, look under A, Romans 3.23. That's what that man did for all of us. It had a starting point, A in Genesis, and Z in Revelation. Isn't that amazing? But what do you do? It's a great idea. How many people had the idea before him? What's the difference between, why do we have Strong's Concordance and not someone else's Concordance? Because he's the one that started the project. You have to start. See, so many people, God puts incredible things on their mind and on their heart and all these things they can do. Like, it took Thomas Edison 10,000 failures to figure out electricity. And look at us now. I get upset when this light's flashing. Goal-specific task accomplishment. Greatness is never cheap, nor is it easy. And to build the house of the Lord for the Lord was a great task. It wasn't cheap, and it wasn't easy. And it requires a beginning. So many people get great ideas and never do anything with them. And many of those great ideas, especially when you're walking with the Lord, are from the Lord. And then, because we live in a negative society with negative news and all the negativity around us, we talk ourselves out of it before you can go through your Fox or CNN news report. Yeah, this great thing God put on your heart. Just, wow. We can do a mission station in Kabul because this is the way we can do it. And you're like, you've been, and there it is. And it's so clear. Like, no one can do that. We, the U.S. lost the war. Why would we do that? And you talk yourself out of it. That's what happens. That's how the devil works. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, He'll give us the desires of our heart. So it starts with seeking the Lord. And it's when we seek the Lord through faith that he puts those things in our heart, the dream, the vision, the objective, and the plan. And then it's up to us to respond in faith. But we have to receive it in faith. And then we have to respond in faith because faith without works is dead. And we have to take the first step and do the first thing. That's what we have to do. And in 34 years of ministry, I've watched a lot of people have brilliant ideas and grand ideas and huge visions from the Lord, tasks, even just task visions from the Lord, and talk themselves out of it or just let negative people, negative relatives, negative neighbors, negative pastors, negative people around them talk them out of it before they even get traction on it. Talk is cheap, action is everything. And there comes a point where you've got to begin. You're going you're to go on, you're going to do this thing. And you just begin. Recently, Sarah Yardley in England, she does the Creation Fest, runs the whole thing, oversees it all. Brilliant mind. All those Yardleys are brilliant. They're geniuses. After the 
Creation Fest was done, she did this hike that's from, it's on the Iberian Peninsula, it's like Portugal through Spain, it's an old like Catholic route thing, and it's like, goes forever into Europe, and she did it. And she was posting from Instagram this incredible scenery from the Iberian Peninsula. It goes, again, Portugal, Spain, the Basque country, and I think it goes up into the maybe Pyrenees, into France or whatever. I was like, I'll leave it to Sarah Yardley to do something like that. Well, where, where would she get the weather all the hike hundreds of miles through Europe like that? Well, remember what she did in COVID? Rather than sit around, she flew down to Africa and she climbed Kilimanjaro. Well, everyone's living in fear, not us, but many. She flew to Africa and climbed Kilimanjaro. And I asked her what it was like, and she said, really hard. <laughs> when you're climbing Kilimanjaro, you have a start point, you have a top, and you come down, and you completed it. That's how we want to think. you got to take the next step, the first step, the first step, then the next step. So you have the vision. Then you have a plan of action, like, okay, this is how I'm going to go back to college at 61. Okay, i got to get my transcripts from your coast to college. Who's going to take me? I can do online with this or that. I can do OCC and just get my AA. And it's, what's the next step? What's the plan of action? What's the most important thing? Probably my transcripts, right? If Pastor Joy is going to, I'm not going to do this. Don't worry about it. Okay, I'm just using an example, but like what, so the most important thing, I get my transcripts and then I got to register, right? That's what you would do. And what's the next thing? See, I'm being very practical tonight because I want us to think about doing something great before you step into eternity and stand before the Lord and say you sat here for 10 years and did nothing because I don't want you sitting here doing anything and I don't want you looking at me sitting here, standing here doing nothing. There's stuff to be done and we're not done until we're done. And I want to attempt the greatest things I've ever done for the Lord down the stretch, more than anything I've ever done in the past. I want to be like Billy Graham doing a crusade when I'm 95 through the internet. Start, stop. Right? You got to take the step. So when you think about the first, you know, you begin, it says he began this great project. He began, it's like two words. He began. We have to begin. So I want you to think like, okay. But to begin, you, you know, so you got to take the first step, and you, it's always good if you're taking the right direction, but even so, if you take it in the wrong direction, nobody can, like, bring you back, and, you know, bring you back. What have I said for years? A moving car is a lot easier to redirect than a parked car that you don't take out of the garage. So here's the vision. Seek the Lord for the plan. This seems to be the things here. This is be the most important thing. It would seem that this is the most important thing. The next thing is to do this. So I always have POA, plan of action, MIT, most important thing, and TNT, the next thing. The macro goal, subdivided goals, simpler goals, today's goals. I'm being practical. I'm trying to help all of us tonight understand how these things work, because Solomon is practical. The book of Proverbs is practical. And this man accomplished a great thing, and it didn't just fall out of the sky. It wasn't dumb luck. It was deliberate. It was intentional. It was a grand plan for the Lord, and he began the work, and we must begin the work. Second thing we see tonight, in verse 11 of chapter 6, it says he was strengthened by the Lord. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, concerning this temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments, and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David. And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and will not forsake my people Israel. I like this, because if you've ever been going through college or you've got like a, a major thing that's taken years to do, 
there's a grind element to it. We're just grinding. It's, it's, you're like a farmer in the Midwest. I mean, you, you just got to do what you got to do. From point A to point Z, we just got to grind this out. I remember when Bill Curry used to go to our church, wonderful man of God. He was a sheriff with Orange County Sheriffs. He worked in the jail system over here in Orange. And he got this vision and this idea that he wanted to be a lawyer and that God was calling him to be a lawyer. And so he went to law school while being a full-time sheriff with the Orange County Sheriffs. And he, in fact, became a lawyer. And it stretched him. But he went to law school while raising Petra and being married to his wife. They, he, went to law, he had a full-time job in the jail dealing with criminals and non-criminals on a day-to-day basis. And he went back to school and completed law school, passed the bar, and is now using these skills and how he provides for his family and how he's serving the Lord these days. I'm just taking a little liberty here, but I'm thinking if you're going to law school while you work at a jail every day, you're grinding. Or in surfing, they say, oh, grind kind. Like, you're just grinding. And you just can't walk away from it. Like, this is the way it is. And as there's seven year, it's a seven year commitment to build this temple. And in the middle of this, while you're grinding, what happens? The Lord speaks to Solomon. Hey, Solomon, see what happens when you're grinding is you forget why you're grinding and who you're grinding for and what the ultimate end of your grinding is. You can get so locked into, oh, this is so much to do. How am I doing this? The jail, law school, being a dad, being a husband. Like you can just, when you're grinding, you can forget why you're grinding, who you're grinding for. We're grinding for the Lord Jesus Christ. See, ultimately, our life is in his hands, and it's him that's working in and through us for his good pleasure. And we're told in Colossians, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, not unto men. So we're reminded that whatever we're doing, we're doing it for the Lord. That whether it's, the beginning of the project, the middle or the end, or the various obstacles we hit in a major project, because of course we all know this, right? Tip to younger people here, you'll hit obstacles in your projects. Those are called blessed opportunities if you frame them right. That's what they are. Because obstacles are how you grow and learn and how you resolve those obstacles and go around them or go through them. Or as Solomon would say, a wise man scales the city wall and takes the city. You find a way to get into the city. A wise woman, a wise man, they just find another way. Like, you're going to find a way. The obstacles present that. And we grow through those things. And in the middle of Solomon's grinding, in this chapter that talks about seven years, the word of the Lord came to him. Now, before the word of the Lord came to him in verse 11, he would have already known the law of God, right? I mean, his dad, David, said, delight yourself in the law of the Lord and meditate day and night. Psalm 1, his dad wrote, he would know these things. He would know the law. He would have the scribes and priests to read him the law. So he had the obvious word of God availed to him. So when he went to work and they're grinding and moving the quarried rocks and doing this and bringing in the, the olive wood and the cedar wood and all these things and getting all the gold, when they're doing all this in the order of contractors and subcontractors in this massive project, he would know in the morning when he got up, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. He could say the Shema, you know. He could, all that stuff, he had it. He could ask the priest to come every day, like, Lord bless thee and keep thee, be gracious unto thee. He had all that. But you know, if you've, if you've ever been grinding in a major project, again, let's say you went back to college, 
And in the midst of all that, There's times when the Lord might give you a word, and that's my point here. Like, God came in with a specific word, and and whatever you might be in a task, it's a larger task, and it seems like this is never going to end, you know, let the Lord come speak to you. We know you got the law like Solomon. We know you can read the Shema every morning, but isn't it nice when the word of the Lord comes to you and says, hey, I got a word for you. Just stay on track. Don't get discouraged. Don't check out because of this professor or because of this boss or whatever. Stay on track. I'm with you. Just walk in my ways, keep my statutes. Just that, that reaffirming word that God gives you sometimes when you really need it. That's why we're told in 1 Corinthians 14, that prophecy in the New Testament sense, when someone speaks a prophetic word, it's, it's edifying, it's encouraging, and it's comforting. That's like the, what we call the spoken word. We have the written word, but then you get that spoken word that always is confirmed by the written word, but it's just like fresh manna, as we'd say. Like, it just has a fresh fire for our souls. And when it's spoken, it strengthens our souls. Because when you're grinding in a major project, your soul can become weary. You can be like the psalmist in a dry and thirsty land, panting as a deer panteth for the water. Jesus, of course, his ministry, he had a beginning. Going back to that first point, he had a beginning. We're told in the gospel, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like when he went to go get baptized by John, that's the beginning of Jesus being introduced to us. That's when he began his ministry for our salvation. But then he went into the wilderness and was tempted by the devil. And when he was grinding with the devil after 40 years of fasting, how did he engage the devil? With the word of God. What was his strength at his weakest point in his humanity? The word of God. It is written, it is written, it is written three times. Then throughout the three years of ministry that Jesus had, with just the wear and tear of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, just never, they just never relented. Plus the frustration of the apostles not learning lessons. It's like, oh, where's your faith? You know, like, where is your faith? And he would, you almost miss it, but there's many times in the Gospels where Jesus is frustrated with the apostles because they're not getting what he expected them to get. And even when he's in the tomb and then out of the tomb, his enemies said, He said he's going to rise. They didn't do that. And who was there that morning? The women were there. So the frustration of trying to raise up and knowing Judas is going to betray you in the humanity. Because if we read in Jesus, he sighed in his spirit. Our redemption is very costly. And there was some grinding going on for Jesus as a savior. And yet he always did those things that pleased the father. He had the word. He had the word of God. He had the word as it is written And he had that sweet fellowship with the Father during his earthly ministry where it would come alive by the Spirit. Because remember, the Spirit came upon him. So when we're grinding, we have to remember who we're grinding for and why. We're grinding for Jesus. It's a major project. It's arduous. It's difficult. It's frustrating. But we're doing it for the Lord. And that's why we're doing it. And he's going to get the glory. I was thinking about one Calvary Chapel bought in Marietta Hot Springs. And I know, I think it's an escrow right now to sell. But that's, this is a different generation. There was a wonderful run there at that, that place. And in the 90s, that, you know, the Calvary Board of Directors bought that facility. It was totally run down from what it was in the 30s and the 40s as a resort. And they did all that stuff. And think of the grinding, like contractors, the, the, the city council. and every, When there's money, everyone wants the money, particularly politicians. And think of the plumbing you had to do with all the sulfur springs, the electrical work. All that stuff. And what we know now that I never thought much about is in 20 years it starts to break down again. 
right? But the Calvary board, Pastor Chuck, they fought through that and they got that thing done. And some of you enjoyed women's ministry events there. Some of you enjoyed retreats there, men's conferences. Some of you enjoyed pastor's conferences and whatever the, by the way, little known fact, if you ever walked in that main sanctuary, there was a dove made of bricks. Those, those are our bricks, me and Jennifer's bricks. The house we bought in Costa Mesa had original bricks on the back porch. The guy who did work to replace that, he was a good friend of Chuck's, and they were redoing the entryway, and they took our bricks. And so I'd go out there every time and go, like, this is my bricks, man. This is my bricks, boy. <laughs> who knows what they are now or where they are now, but you know what? They serve their time. We don't have to worry what happens after we're gone. We pass the baton, the next generation, can, they got to figure it out with the Lord like we're figuring it out with the Lord. But the point being is, the word of the Lord comes to us in our grind, and it's a source of comfort, and we should receive that comfort. We stand on the word when we're doing the great project, and we're frustrated, and we've got these things going. It's the who we're doing it for and why, for the kingdom, and we find a way, and we just keep going forward. That's what Jesus did. He, you know, we're told in Luke 9, he set his face like flint toward Jerusalem. And when we got a grand task to do, get it done with our face like flint toward Jerusalem. The third thing we see is in the next chapter, in chapter 7, in verse 51, it says, so the work, all the work of King Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. Hey, he finished. Again, I mentioned at the beginning of this day that there's a start, stop. You know, it's a seven-year project. It's easy for us. It's like Tuesday night, it took 55 minutes to do the study, and we read about what happened in seven years. To the details of the design, the woodwork, the artistic, all that stuff, we read it. But there comes a point where the work is finished. There's a point when it's done. But there's a a completion. There's even hopefully a day where you shake hands with your contractor and say, thanks, man, great job. There's no more work to be done. And if you got a problem with the lights a year and a half later, that's your problem. So call a light person, right? Or if it's a plumbing, you call Devin. Sorry, Devin. But, uh, you know, like they did the job, they finished it. You do the job, you finish it. It's completed. When Paul the Apostle, with his missionary journeys, they were somewhat open-ended, but there was completion because when he went out, he would come back from, and he always was on the Jewish calendar, Passover, Pentecost. So he had, he had incremental goals on his journeys and where he wanted to be, and he'd come back and report to the church in Antioch all that God had done. And in a sense, that's when he sealed the fruit of those journeys. That project was done. Those churches were planted. The the goal to plant churches in modern Turkey, which was the first missionary journey, Acts 13 and 14, was done. The churches were established. And they went back to every one of them on the first journey. They went like a, a horseshoe and went back and put elders and leaders in charge of the churches. And then they returned to Antioch and shared the report. They had completed that. That's why in Romans 15, when he's wrapping up his third missionary journey, he says, now longer having a place in these parts... I'm headed to Jerusalem first, then Rome, and hopefully Spain. And when I've sealed this fruit, that's what we, that's how we refer to it, sealing the fruit. You got to finish the job. So in surfing, sealing the fruit was finishing the last turn, particularly at Huntington. Like you do all this stuff, you got to stick, it's like gymnastics, you got to stick your landing. So we use that term as a coach all the time, seal the fruit. Like we're not done till we're done, till we're on the podium and this contest is over. Like, seal the fruit. And that comes from Paul the Apostle and the Holy Spirit in Romans 15. So when you seal the fruit, that means you've finished the job. That means you're done. 
that whatever that grand task was that you set out to do, hey, if you went to YWAM, if you went, because we, we worked with YWAM down in Chile with our good friend Nathan Anderson, these students would come in, and what they did is they did like, well, they had a couple different programs, but one was like they did three months of academic training there in Pichilemu, Chile. So they took multiple classes, you know, basic new, introduction New Testament, biblical, major theological themes, stuff like that. And then the next three months, they'd go on a mission trip for like three months. Now, I remember one year they all went to Uruguay, you know, right through the Andes on the other side of Chile, and there you are, Uruguay, and you do three months of ministry in Uruguay. Then they would come back, and it was done. Like you, you did three months of training, and then you did three months of sharing, and then you came back and you sealed the fruit. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.